All right, Charlie, seventh round. Here we go. Halfway in the book. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield out of left field, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance. We've got six rounds in the book. Let's recap everything for you right now. Charlie, you went to Kenny Kurtz first round. I went with B.J. Wallace. Your second round pick was Bobby Reed. I went with a right fielder in Mark Gillespie. And then in the third round, you went with Gene Morgan. Is that correct? That is. I went with Tommy Raffo, a first baseman. You go with a closer and John Harden. I go with a starting left-hander and Jeremy Jackson. And then in the fifth round, you had your first offensive, and that was a Buck Showalter, Nat Showalter. He was Nat here. I went Ross Mitchell as a, rel- a relief left-hander. And then uh, you went Mike Kelly. I come back with Don Mundy. And so uh, that was my – so I've got three starting pitchers, two lefties, a righty, and then a relief left-hander. So who you got? First right. pick. In the seventh round, I select Richard Lee, first baseman slash third baseman, 1995 to 1998 out of Jackson, Mississippi. Huh. Okay. I'm down with that. I mean, for so long, was, he led Mississippi State in hitting in the all-time hits for a while. Chapman almost tied him at Clemson in 2000. Now, of course, Jake Mangum has overtaken that. But uh, Yeah, Richard Lee's all over the top ten list in hitting at Mississippi State. It doesn't matter almost any category you want to look at. He one of only six seasons in Mississippi State history that somebody's had 100 hits. But what I really like about Richard Lee, I like the fact that I can play him on either corner of the infield. I can DH him if I want to. But you look at his junior and senior seasons, he combines to hit 364, 38 home runs, scored 138 runs, drove in 167, he is second in career doubles at Mississippi State. This guy can hit. I mean, 19 home runs back-to-back seasons in 97 and 98. I need somebody who can drive one out of the yard, and with Richard Lee, I can play him on either corner. I can DH him. I can give him a day off if I need to and use him off the bench, but I've got a big-time hitter now in my lineup. All right, I'm going to stay with a guy in that time frame. Uh, I'm kind of getting everything back on track now with my pitchers because you're going heavy hitters now. The thing about some of your guys, though, is you know, you're know you kind of some uh, some slap uh, singles hitters. I think Richard Lee would take exception to that well, characterization. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, Richard Lee, he could hit. I mean, he had 19 home runs in 98. Yeah, he's a guy that could. Look, I'm not going to apologize for taking two batting champions and show Walter and Kelly if that's where you're going with this. Well, okay, neither one of those guys are going to touch my right-handed reliever. I'm going – that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay – I'm going to stay pitching. And you got to go with me here now, Hank Toms. With the seventh-round pick, second pick of the seventh round, 6'3", right-hander from Newton, Mississippi, by way of East Central Community College, the college with you in mind. I'm going with Hank Toms. Hank Toms, let me tell you this. When you start looking at Hank's stats, they're pretty crazy. And you talk about the live bat era of the late 19, 1990s. Okay, in 1997, he led the team in the ERA of a 2.81. 2.81 in 1997 was crazy. 
he won a big game in the College World Series in 1997. That was against Troy Gloss in UCLA. That was that second round. We lost the first game what, to, to Alabama. We came back and we beat uh, UCLA in the second round of that 97 College World Series. But then Hank uh, in, uh, in 1998 had a good year. Then in 99, he led the, the uh, SEC in ERA in 1999, 2.66. But here's the thing I remember about Hank Toms. We're just piling through the stats, man. It's crazy. In 1999, in back-to-back weeks, he went on the road to Tennessee, struck out 16 against the Vols and then came back the following week on a Saturday here against LSU. Place was packed, and he strikes out 14, gives up one run, and so over a two-week period, he strikes out 30. Struck out 30 and was just dominant, and his earn run average was phenomenal. And so, anyway, I'm going to stay on the mound. I'm going to go with a reliever from the right-handed side, and i tell you what, if it's a guy that I need to have on my rotation for a fourth starter, that's who I want. I want Hank Tom. All right, so let's talk about this. What sort of rotation? We've got a seven-game series. What sort of rotation do you envision? Are you going to use I'm a four Jack, starters? Or? No, I'm a Jack Morris guy. Jack, Jack Morris, 87 World Series. And I'm, I'm going to go uh, one, four, and seven with B.J. Wallace. Well, in fairness, that's probably going to add up to about, what, six, seven innings? I figure my guys will knock him out by then. So, <laughs> No, no. No, because we, look, we're not going to be we're we're going to be a team that plays defense. We're going to be a team that's strong up the middle. We're going to be a team that pitches it well. They're not going to score. It's, well, we're only going to need one run with this defense, and it's about to get a lot better because I am drafting Matthew Maniscalco, <laughs> shortstop, <laughs> two thousand to two thousand three, out of Oxford, Alabama. Look. First three years that Maniscalco was here, he didn't hit that much. But the thing he could always do was field the baseball. Arguably the best defensive second baseman Mississippi State has ever had. Shortstop. Shortstop, excuse me. Best shortstop Mississippi State's ever had. His senior year, though, this guy comes out of nowhere. He led off every game. He hits 338, shows some pop, hits seven home runs, hit home runs in back-to-back innings at South Carolina that year, at Bach night, I think it was that he hit him against. But, look, this guy was basically a 960 guy fielding at shortstop his entire career. He wasn't one of those guys who showed up and kind of eased into the position. He was a glove guy with a big big league arm the day he arrived, and I am getting even stronger up the middle with this pick, Matthew Maniscalco. You said it right then. The thing about Maniscalco that I remember, everybody remembers that slick glove, but I remember the arm. Being able to go in the hole, plant the right foot, and make that strong throw across or complete a double play, that right arm was so good, man. And so, yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Strong up the middle, Matthew Maniscalco. I don't see. I've got one infielder. That's Tommy Raffo. I've got one outfielder. That's Mark Gillespie. Um, okay, let's see. I'm going to go with the center fielder. You've got your center fielder and Mike Kelly. Okay, I had to really debate this one, okay? I had to really, really debate. This is deba- polarizing if yeah, you're talking about center field. Because I had so I had, I had my, my center fielders kind of lined up, and I had Mike Kelly in there as well. And I, and I had to do some picking here. And so with uh, my second pick of the eighth round, I'm going to go with a 6'4 center fielder from Meridian, Mississippi, Jody Hurst. Jody Hurst led the SEC in runs scored in 1989. He was a table setter for that 89 team. 
Led the team in batting average 371 in 1988. But the thing about Jody Hurst, he had two home runs against Georgia, first round of the SEC tournament back in 1987. We were the sixth seed. They were the one. We went on to win the tournament. And that kind of propelled State in that 87 season. And when you look at at Bulldog baseball history, in 1986 we didn't make the tournament. 87 we struggled throughout the season, barely made the SEC tournament, had to win out here at Duty Noble that follow, that final weekend to get into the SEC tournament. And then you win it, and then you go to the NCAA tournament. Jody Hurst was a major catalyst in that 87 tournament, and it was almost like that propelled us into those late 80s, 88, 89, and 90 seasons. 87 was such a big big season for Mississippi State. If you go back, we could have some great kind of look backs just talking about seasons and what they meant. But that 87 team, you had a lot of freshmen. That's your Masters, your Young, your Grahams. John Mitchell was playing first base. You, you had a lot of young guys. The thing, I think Paradoa was in left then. But the thing you had, you you had to win, basically sweep Alabama here in a series to end the year to even get in the SEC tournament in Athens. Got the win on Friday. Come back, Mike Martin got the win on Saturday. Nelson Ariete yes. coming back from an injury gets the win on Sunday. Mississippi State beats Alabama. They go to the tournament. Nobody expected much. Lilliquist, Derek Lilliquist, who was a big leaguer, was starting for Georgia. Carpenter came on in relief. He was a guy and – one of the great all-time Jim Ellis calls, by the way, was the second home run of Jody Hurst. My, oh, my, oh, my. <laughs> Hurst, Jody Hurst has hit it out, and the Bulldogs have scored three. In the bottom of the ninth, they came back and win that game. Uh, Brad Hildreth, Barry Winford getting hits to, to win it. So Hurst was one of those guys, too, you remember, just covering all kinds of ground out there. He was tall, so you didn't always appreciate how fast he was, but that's uh, – that's a strong up the middle kind of pick. All right, uh, who, who we got in the ninth round? Staying with the theme of staying strong up the middle, I feel like I have probably taken the best defensive shortstop off the board. I'm about to take the best defensive second baseman, and I'm going to come more recent for this one. I've been living in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Give me – Brett Pirtle, <laughs> oh. a switch-hitting second baseman, 2013-2014 out of Tyler, Texas. Now, in his senior season, he commits only six errors all year at second base. Now, in fairness, we're at Duty Noble Field. There's some yeah. generous scorekeeping Very there. generous, yeah. But here's the thing about Pirtle. You go look at his minor league career that followed, that fielding percentage went with him. This is a guy who could play defense in 2013, he and Adam Frazier turned 80 double plays. I think that ended up being second when it was all said and done in the NCAA. And beyond that, this is a guy who his senior year, I'm adding another batting champion, if you haven't noticed. I think that's my third now. Yeah. Because Brett he did lead the Pearl league in hitting. Yeah. In 2014, came back and he hit 363 to lead the league. This is a guy who could play. Here's my favorite Brett Pirtle stat. He reached base safely in 68 of the 70 games against SEC opponents that he played. I'm going to have guys all over the bases. Brett Pirtle, offensively, defensively, I think he's about as good as you get. My middle infield's looking really strong. All right, so, okay, so you've got uh, two infielders now, the middle infield. Uh, I don't have a closer yet. 
Okay. I'm telling. I'm telling you, this is hard, Charlie. You kind of messed me up coming out of the gate with what you did. Second pick of the ninth round. I'm going to go with my closer, six-three right-hander from Saltillo. Saltillo. Van Johnson, All-American in 97, led the SEC in saves with 13, and, man, did he have a nasty arm slot coming down under power guy. He could get you out late, and, man, he, he was the guy. He was the he was the, uh, the the door closer in the in the ninth inning for Mississippi State back in those 98-99 seasons. Yeah. 97-98 seasons. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. I uh, – I commend you on that. Yeah. Now, you're having to play catch-up on pitching a little bit, so probably good to start working your approach backwards. Yeah. Kind That's okay. You build from the bullpen. I get that. Well, to be – I mean, I'm, I'm not going to have a hard time getting – I've just got to be able to feel. i got to find me a second baseman and a shortstop that can field all those ground balls you're going to be hitting. Well, I'm about to take one of them away from you. We made it to the 10th round. And in the 10th round, I'm taking a guy who can play everywhere, Thomas Burkery, oh. 2003 to 2006 out of Sarasota, Florida. What position does he play? All of them. He started at second base, shortstop, third base. He was a catcher, backing up Craig Tatum, I think it was. This is a guy, as we talked about Maniscalco, showed up ready to play defense. Burkery did the same thing. Burkery's known for hitting, but he played a ton of second base as a freshman, committed only three errors all season. Had the best defensive year of any second baseman. By the way, if we're going to talk about Thomas Berkeley as a freshman, how can we not talk about 2003 SEC tournament, 10th inning against Ole Miss? <laughs> just into a win, just murdered a baseball. Bulldogs got the win in that tournament game. And, look, uh, I'm bragging about Berkeley's position flex, right? I got a guy I can play him at third. I can catch him a day or two. I can give guys who are banged up a day off if I need to. Now, on my team, we're not going to get banged up. We're going to be tougher than that. But if something crazy happens, I've got Berkeley anywhere I want to put him. I kind of slot him at third base right now, maybe yeah. a little bit of catcher. Okay. But here's what I know. This guy had a 30-game hitting streak. He was just solid, man. He was the batting champion. He hit 383 in 2006. He was a second-team All-American. Look, this is, uh, this is a big-time get for me in the 10th round. It it really is um, because he's uh, he's the the Swiss Army knife. I mean, how many guys can be a catcher and a shortstop? They're not many. <laughs> That's a pretty small list. No, it really is. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to stay around that same time frame because I've got to start doing something with my, my infield since you've got some guys. All right, here we go. My second pick of the tenth round. Second all-time in hits, man. you got to go with the second baseman. 5'8", second baseman slash center fielder from Nettleton, Mississippi. I'm going to go with Jeffrey Ray. Sixth all-time in the SEC in hits. Second at Mississippi State behind Jake Mangum. And he was that Swiss Army knife, too. If you had to have him in the outfield, you could move him out there. But he was a guy that could just get on base. He was a ball player. Yeah, he was a ball player. He was a ball player. And that's about quick as good hands. a compliment as you can give somebody. Unbelievable how quick his hands were you know left-handers he was spraying it the other way right-handers he was pulling it through the four hole he was just a guy that was going to figure out a way to get on base yeah i think that look that's a an absolutely great baseball player I, I kind of interesting though you've been mocking me for my singles hitters welcome on over well you know? i mean we're the home runs we're going to hit are going to be you know two and three run home runs okay i okay. got you 
Just wait. All right, so we're on to the 11th round. Two rounds to go. You know, my board has been holding pretty strong, but this is where I really start to get into to a mess here. There's part of me that's a little bit OCD that wants to go to bed tonight looking at next week, knowing that I have somebody at every spot. Okay. There's part of me. That's not going to bother me at all. wants to go grab another pitcher. But, you know, I think there's too much value. I think um, there's a stall here on the clock. This may run the card down. All right. The card is at the table. In the 11th round, I select... Brad Winkler, oh. outfielder, 1980 to 1983, another left-handed hitter out of Richmond, Kentucky. Now, this is a little bit of a – I'm going to have to do some adjusting in the outfield because we talked about Mike Kelly. Winkler was the next guy yeah, out in center field. But, look, this is an All-American. And you go back to that 1983 team, which is a team that I loved, by the way. If it weren't for Dave Magadan, that team might have gone a lot farther would have won the SEC, but for Dave Magadan. But this is a guy who was versatile. He was hard-nosed, all-time top of stolen bases. Go back to 83, though. He hits three. We, what do we think about in 83? Clark emerging as a freshman. Palmero in particular, that huge freshman year where he hits 18 home runs. Winkler was right there with him. He hit 16 home runs that year, hit 367, had 21 doubles. You know what else he had that year? He led the team in game-winning RBIs. He had really? 10 out of the 42, I think it was, that Mississippi State had. So basically, 25% of the of the, the wins, he's driving in the winning run. So I realize, you know, Winkler's a guy, you, you don't, he's got some pop. Look, he hit 16 home runs in a season, so he's not exactly a, a singles hitter. But So we add some speed, we add power. And here's the thing, if I can keep it in the yard, my guys are in the outfield are going to go get it, my guys on the infield are going to field it. I think we just took a big step ahead defensively and offensively. I think I got a lot of value in the 11th with Brad Winkler. Yeah, that 83 team, you had Pete White at second base. You had a you had Bobby Parker at shortstop. I mean, he was unreal at short. You had uh, Mike Bradford over at third. That was a good infield that year. And then he had a good, a good outfield as well. And he had some emerging freshmen, as you said, with Palmero and Clark and Van Cleve was a sophomore. And so, I mean, you had, you had some really good players on those teams. All right, so uh, to, to heck with these uh, these singles hitters. I'm going to go with some power now. And I'm going to go with a guy. Talk about multiple, you know, table setting with Jeffrey Ray. This is a guy that's going to hit some home runs with one arm. I mean, just w- swatting it out like a fly swatter. Second pick of the 11th round, 6-1, first baseman from Floral Park, New York, Bruce Castoria. First team All-American in 1981. He had 29 home runs. And at this ballpark, this hitter's ballpark at the new Duty Noble Field, he is a guy that would hit it over these left field loss. So you're playing a DH, are you? Uh, he is going to be my right-handed DH. Okay. Because I've got Raffo at first base, and so Castoria is going to be my DH. So let's, let's take just one little segue on Castoria a minute. And I think this is one of the places you see a huge change in the way stats count. 
Strikeouts. Was, I yeah. think it's strikeouts. Yeah, so that was the thing about Castoria. We used to say, you know, as kids, well, he strikes out all the time. Well, he struck out 52 times in 81. That's also the year, by the way, they hit 29 home runs. And he comes back in 82, hits 15 home runs, strikes out 30 times. If you want to look at the way philosophy, the philosophy of baseball has changed, probably no bigger way than offensive strikeouts. It used to be a really big deal, and now the guys in the pros will tell you they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. You hit 29 home runs, strike out every other time, doesn't matter. Well, Castoria, it's hard to sit around and, and start talking about Mississippi State baseball and not mention Bruce Castoria. So another big value pick there in the 11. Massive home runs. I'm talking about just mammoth, massive home runs. I mean, he was the guy, you know, we think back to the huge year, would have been 84, where Palmero hit 29, Clark hit 28. But all they did was match what Castoria had done a few years before. He was kind of the first guy that really just lit it up and got it out of here. All right, so we're through 11 rounds now, and so we're at our final pick of the night. So we're going to go 25 deep in our overall teams. We'll do 12 rounds this week, 13 rounds next week. And so, um, all right, so who's your 12th and final pick of the night? In the 12th round, I'm going to satisfy my OCD, and I'm going to fill out every position on the field. I draft Russ Aldrich. What? Catcher, 1977, 1978, Bessemer, Alabama. And here's what I've done to you again. I have drafted a league-leading hitter. You, you can search the archives, Bart Gregory, and for all the draft-eligible players, and I'll tell you what, you will not find another player who was first-team All-SEC twice. Yes. He was in 77 and 78. He led the league in hits in 78. And here's what I've always heard, okay? Uh, legend has it, and I don't know this personally, but legend has it that Jack Lazorka was who made it to the big leagues. Very free-spirited. Was a little difficult to deal with, okay? <laughs> and if my man, Russ Aldrich, by the way, again, led the league in hits, first-team all-conference, two years, he only had five pass balls, and if he can put up with that guy, we know he's got a relationship with Showalter. I've now got cornerstones of leadership I got a guy who can handle some of the goofballs I'm going to put on the mound. Russ Aldrich in the 12th round is my catcher. You're looking for a free suit. Well. Exactly. We're okay. taking on sponsors. No, I feel really good about this pick. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, I can go with that because, to be honest with you, when I was looking at my list of catchers, I actually had Russ pretty high on mine. So, um, But I think Russ is a guy, and let me, going back to what we talked about earlier, Russ is a guy who suffers in our memories for a couple of reasons. One, he didn't play on 70, the 79 team. Right. And so for a lot of us, we tend to think that baseball started in 79. But Russ fits in because we were basically looking 76 forward. Didn't Russ play at Chipola? He did. Yeah. He did. Out of Bessemer, Alabama, went down Chipola. And uh, he came in with Showalter. Same, yeah. same group, same class. and. He actually stayed for two years, but so a guy, a first-team All-SEC two years, I like my pick. All right, so I've got six pitchers. I've got a first baseman. I've got a second baseman. I've got the right fielder and Gillespie, a center fielder, and her. So Raffo, Ray on the right side of the info, uh, infield, right side of the outfield. I've got Hurst in center, Gillespie in right. Castoria is my DH. I've got three starting pitchers, B.J. Wallace, uh, Jeremy Jackson, 
Don Mundy out of the pen. I've got Ross Mitchell, Hank Toms, and Van Johnson. All right. Uh, I need somebody on that left side of the infield. And so what I'm going to do, you went with Berkery as your, like, little Swiss Army knife. Guy yeah, could play everywhere. I've got one of those, too. If I had to move Ray out to the outfield, I've got to have somebody to play second base. I may have to have somebody to play short. You may need to play four outfielders of my guys just yeah. to try to catch something. Sure. Okay, here we go. Final pick of the night. Second pick of the 12th round. I'm going to go with the 6-3 third baseman slash shortstop from Tampa, Florida, Steve Gendron. I'm going to go with Gendron. He was just a solid player. Four-year starter, played it short. He played it third. He kind of wherever you needed him on the, the left side of the infield. And he hit. And he hit. Led the led the team in in, the, in hitting as a sophomore, hit three fifty one. He could have left after two thousand uh, after two thousand three. He was drafted in the fourteenth round. He came back and uh, drafted in the two thousand four season. But here's the thing: when when I think of Steve Gendron, he's one of these guys that if when you run into someone from LSU or Arkansas or Alabama, he was the guy that always say, it seems like Gendron has played there for nine years because he was always a thorn in the side in the big games, and he was a solid defender as well, and he could hit as well. And so that's how I'm going to round it out. I'm going to play third base with Steve Gendron. All right, so let's let's do a quick recap then of our draft, and we'll just take it one by one, okay? Okay. In the first round, I took Kenny Kurtz, left-handed pitcher, 1979. And I took B.J. Wallace, a starting left-handed pitcher from Monroeville, Alabama. I took Bobby Reed, the right-handed pitcher out of Long Beach. And I went with Mark Gillespie, the right fielder from Omaha, Nebraska. I went down to 1985, and I grabbed the last guy to throw a no-hitter, Gene Morgan, the right-handed pitcher. And I went with Tommy Raffo, the uh, first baseman from Orange Park, Florida, 22 home runs in 1989. That's my pick of the third round. In the fourth round, I went with a guy who won the ERA title in the league twice, and a guy from right here, John Harden, the left-handed pitcher. In the fourth round, I went with a starting left-handed pitcher, Jeremy Jackson, nine wins in 1997, the six-four left-hander from Meridian, Mississippi. In the fifth round, I went with the greatest single-season hitter in Mississippi State history, Nat, later Buck Showalter, the outfielder from Century, Florida. That's sixth all-time in the SEC. I mean, sixth all-time in a season in the SEC, uh, Buck Showalter. Fifth round, I went Ross Mitchell out of the bullpen, left-hander from Smyrna, Tennessee. I went with an older Kind of version of Jake Mangum, as it's been said. Jake Mangum before there was a Jake Mangum. I grabbed the center fielder, Mike Kelly, the recent inductee to the Mississippi State University M Club Hall of Fame from Des Plaines, Illinois. And the sixth round, I went with Don Mundy to kind of shore up my starting pitching. Don Mundy pitched at State 79-81, to 81, won 14 games, went 14-5 and five in that 81 College World Series season, the right-hander from Huntsville, Alabama. In the seventh round, I decided I was ready to start hitting some balls out of the yard, and I went with Richard Lee, the first baseman, third baseman, out of Jackson, Mississippi. And I stayed on your same team in the seventh round. I went with Hank Toms, the right-hander, out of the bullpen. Starting pitcher was solid, though. He was solid as a starter, but he's a guy that could really follow up B.J. Wallace if he had to throw him out there on the mound. Led the SEC in ERA in 1999 at 266. And uh, had 30 strikeouts over a two-week period in 1999. The 6'3 right-hander from Newton, Mississippi, by way of East Central Community College. College with you in mind.
In the eighth inning, I decided that nothing is getting past us on the ground on the left side. I went with Matthew Maniscalco, shortstop out of Oxford, Alabama. And I followed that up with a center fielder. Had to get a center fielder, and that was Jody Hurst, 6'4 center fielder from Meridian, Mississippi. Led the SEC in runs scored in 1989. Had the big uh, two home runs against Georgia in 1987 in the SEC tournament. Led the team in batting average in 1988. Jody Hurst in the eighth round. In the ninth round, I decided if I'm going to be good at short, I might as well be great at second. And I went with Brett Pirtle, 2013-2014, switch hitting second baseman out of Tyler, Texas. That's a good pick. I'm telling you, man, that's a good pick. I went with a closer. You had John Harden in the fourth pick. I went ninth round with my closer, 6'3 right-hander from Saltillo, Van Johnson, the All-American from 1997, led the team in saves in that 97 season. And then I decided – what round we made to? The 10th round? 10th round. 10th round. I decided I need some position flex. I need some hitting, but I need a guy to do anything. I won. I took the batting champion, Thomas Burkery, out of Sarasota, Florida. All right. So I followed that up with the second baseman, Jeffrey Ray. Second in all-time hits at State. Sixth all-time in the SEC. Play second base, center field. 5-8 to second baseman, center field from Nettleton, Mississippi. In the 11th round, I couldn't decide if I wanted a guy who could defend, a guy who could run, or a guy who could hit it out of the yard. So I took all those. I took Brad Winkler out of Richmond, Kentucky. And to follow that up, I hit. I found a guy that could hit one from Duty Noble Field all the way to Pontotoc, and that was Bruce Castoria. 29 home runs in 1981, moonshots. First baseman from Floral Park, New York. He was my 11th round pick. Bruce Castoria. And in the 12th round, I took a guy who could poke fun at Castoria when he swung and missed. <laughs> I grabbed a catcher. I went with a two-time all-SEC first-time catcher, Russ Aldrich, out of Bessemer, Alabama, by way of Chipola Junior College. And uh, I wanted um, I wanted somebody who could play the left side of the infield. Uh, I haven't settled on, on a shortstop or a third baseman yet, so – I'm going to go with Steve Gendron, my little Swiss Army knife on that left side of the infield. 6'3", third baseman shortstop from Tampa, Florida. Led the team in hitting at 351 in 2002 as a sophomore. And so, yeah, those are, those are my guys. So I've got B.J. Wallace, Mark Gillespie, Tommy Raffo, Jeremy Jackson, Ross Mitchell, Don Mundy, Hank Toms, Jody Hurst, Van Johnson, Jeffrey Ray, Bruce Castoria, Steve Gendron. Those are my first 12 picks, and so now I've got a lot of thought to put into those final 13. Yeah, and for me, it sets up around the outfield. Showalter, Kelly, and Winkler, my infield right now. Berkery, Maniscalco, Pirtle, and Lee, catcher Aldrich, and then I've got some pretty good guys throwing to them. I've got Kenny Kurtz, Bobby Reed, Gene Morgan, and then John Harden to to baffle your guys with his wiffle balls late in ball games. All right, so now we got to figure out what we want to do. I mean, how do we want to go? How do we, how do we want to finish out these rosters? I've got six pitchers. Probably want to carry about 12 pitchers. That's what I'm looking for. Over a seven-game series, it's 12 pitchers, 13 in the you know position players, DHs. So, anyway, yeah, that's where we are. So now we've got to figure it all out. Uh, so tweet us your thoughts. At Barton Charlie, that's uh, the the web the uh, the Twitter account for the Out of Left Field podcast presented by Farm Bureau. You can tweet me at Bart Gregory or or Charlie at Charlie Winfield. Now let us know your thoughts. Of course, the thing you can't do is you can't send us a tweet and say, "Hey, how can you not pick Rafael Palmero or Will Clark?" Because that's going to be the first thing that happens. Of course, we go back to the point of. 
if you played in the major leagues one day. Alan Johnson pitched one game in the big leagues. Alan Johnson, remember him, early 2000s? Oh, yeah. Alan Johnson pitched one game in the big league, and so Alan Johnson's out. He played the minors, and, of course, we're not picking – we're not picking Jake Mangum. We're not. We're not taking Brent Rooker. Those guys are in the minor leagues right now, and so current minor leaguers and guys that played in the big leagues, we are not taking. Yeah, and the, and it bears repeating too. Look, there are some guys who are out there who are, if I have anything to say about it, are going to be picked. It is not to say that they don't belong in the top twenty-four guys. A lot of this has to do with having to fill out rosters. But you start to look at a guy like a Connor Powers. I mean. I've got the first pick uh, when we resume. Who knows? I've got some ideas. You know, because here's what I've got to look at on my team from here. I've got to get some more pitching. But i got to think about guys who can maybe play a position and come in and pitch so I can double up. You know, I don't need to carry 12 pitchers if i got a guy who can do both. No, you've got, I, I, you got a Dan Paradoa out there, a Barry Winford, Barry Patton, Connor Powers, Brad Freeman, Brad Hildreth, Bobby Parker, Dave Klipstein, you've got a lot of names out there that are probably going to go off the board pretty early next week. Yeah, and there's not enough picks left in this draft, quite honestly. Charlie enjoyed it. It kind of went a little bit longer than we thought. But uh, anyway, 12 rounds in the book. Next week we'll come back. We'll do rounds 13 through 25 here on the Out of Left Field podcast presented by Farm Bureau. So until next week, we'll say so long. I'm Bart Gregory. He's Charlie Winfield. Appreciate you hanging out with us here on the opening show of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau.